Welcome to the Scarleteers podcast, where we talk about our favorite show, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Welcome back to the Scarleteers podcast. I'm Amanda. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Isabel. And this month, we're going to talk about the episode titles, season one and season two. So if you're anti-spoilers, click off now. Um, Don't listen. We won't be upset if you don't listen to this one. We're going to talk about season one first, and then we'll move on to season two. So if you, like I said, are anti-spoilers, season one has already been out for a very long time, about two years. So it could be spoiler-ish, but definitely season two. The titles came out this week, Lindsay yep. and Bella, yep. this week? Okay. So it was Tuesday. Tuesday, and it is Thursday, so just a couple of days ago. So we're going to talk about the episode titles and what they mean, what they could mean. So spoilers abound. So click off now. We won't be upset. Yeah, and obviously it's just going to be our speculation, so we could be completely wrong. We are probably completely wrong, (laughs) but we thought it would be fun anyway. (laughs) Probably laughably wrong. Yes. Who knows? Maybe maybe we can get somewhere close. We never know. Maybe we'll do like betting games. Bet on how right we are or how wrong we are. We'll take bets. Okay. So we're going to start with season one, since we all know the show, because it's been out for a while. The first episode was called Inheritance. Yeah, so Inheritance, I think a quite safe assumption that the inheritance that that refers to is obviously Eliza inheriting her father's private detective business. But it could also, I suppose in some ways, because it's a double one, also Mm -hmm. refer to the actual case, because obviously Eliza's case in this is the inheritance for Clara Sims. So it's got a double double meaning in some ways. Yes. Yeah. So when I looked at all the episode titles before this episode, before recording this episode, I, I realized that all of the titles always refer to the case. Ooh, good um, point. Huh. <laughs> like at first I was like completely sure that inheritance would refer to Eliza and her inheritance. But um, then I was like, wait a minute, this is also about Clara and her inheritance and what happens with it. So it also refers to the case. So yeah, I completely agree. It's it's this double meaning. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, definitely also about the case. And in some ways, actually, a lot of them can can probably have a little bit of a double meaning. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Because when I was going through, I was making notes, and yeah, I kind of have what well, it refers to Eliza and her life, and then what it is with the case. So mm-hmm. yeah. I think so. Yeah, because the second episode is the woman in red, which obviously in the case refers to Tabitha Butler and the fact that she wears the red coat. But also Eliza wears her red dress to try and kind of insinuate something with William to get him to pass her a few cases. So, you know, so maybe it is a kind of a double a double thought process here. Yeah. Two women in red. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and we talked about um, the coat in last podcast episode with mm-hmm. Leonie and 
how amazing the coat was she loved. It wasn't a true red because she wanted to keep Eliza with the red, but the coat is like she was saying it was kind of a a rusty like a, red, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, rusty red. And it really stands out, especially in the scene where the husband is about to be hung because it's a very dark and dingy and gray scene and Tabitha in her rusty red coat is just this like beacon and so you see this woman in red that the episode is about mm-hmm. and so it's very stark and tells you what costuming does which is what mm-hmm. we talked about in last month's episode yeah is it mentioned somewhere that she has or she she bought that coat or she wanted to have uh, her, it because her husband it. bought it for yeah her. yeah so she would stand out in a crowd yeah 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 because she wanted her husband to see her in the crowd to because yeah she wanted her husband to know that she was the one who truly sent him to the gallows mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that episode also is the episode where we learn about Rupert and his homosexuality mm-hmm. and the blue, the club, the blue roses. I mean, that's not really the woman in red, but that's also a very important thing we find out about Rupert. And and color. it still refers to a color. Yeah. 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 So episode three is deeds, not word. Um, so that obviously, I guess, refers to the fact that in the case that there's the women are if I'm right that they're fighting for for the rights to be able to own their own houses is that right if if their husband dies is that Um, the point because it it, because the 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 what's the word I'm looking for the MPs are going to vote on whether women can it changes the law so that they inherit their houses I think or they can keep their houses it's something it's something along those lines that the the MPs are going to the House of Parliament to vote and that's what um yeah uh, it's the suffragette movement I don't Hmm. know exactly I don't think it was quite the right to vote but that no I think that was a bit later yeah um because I think in 1883 there was an actual um parliamentary bit about women and and what they can inherit yes yes there was i think it was linked to that so um yeah obviously deeds to the house yeah Mm. but it was also um like um really the motto of the first suffragettes which came later like Mm -hmm. early 20th century but i did some research Like first, and that started in the middle of the 19th century, um, there were groups of women who fought for the right to vote for women. And they were just campaigning and they were like the peaceful part of the movement. But then there came a more radical wing of women um, in the early 20th century. And they didn't shy away from smashing windows and arson. So just like uh, the group of women we saw in the episodes and their motto was deeds, not words. So that's. Yeah. And in the episode, they have to discover 
um, the bomb and where was the bomb placed and they have to, you know, and so that, you know, is kind of a very violent deed. And so they want to push their movement with deeds and not words because words haven't worked yeah. so far. And this um, radical wing, they were given the nickname, so to speak, suffragette. So this is where that word comes from. And um, yeah, it's obviously, it means that you should act, not just talk and try to change things through talking, but you should act and take matters into your own hands, kind of. And I also thought with it relating to Eliza, that she was very conflicted about taking the case because she very much believes in the suffragette movement and she wants women to have more rights, but she doesn't, you know, she wants these cases from William and from the Scotland Yard and she believes in law and order. And so she's very conflicted, you know, and so does she do these deeds as in like, arresting these women, telling William about these meetings, or does she, you know, go with these words about the words that she's saying that, yes, women deserve these rights, you know, so she's very conflicted with these deeds, not words, and so that's how I was relating with Eliza, Mm -hmm. the title of the episode, Deeds, Not Words. Yeah, and, and I guess in the end, like, end of the episode she decides to do a deed as well which is um she starts to teach ivy how to read and write i guess i think that's her way of yeah taking things into her own hands by empowering this other woman important woman in her life yeah so it was it was actually it was the married women's property act in 1882 And that was about uh, regarding the property rights of married women that allowed married women to own and control property in their own rights. So that's the vote that the MPs would have been voting on in that point in time. So, again, property and deeds, Mm -hmm. because we have deeds to our properties here in England. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's all linked. It's all linked. (laughs) Okay, um, episode four is Memento Mori, which is about death photography. And the episode is the death photographer thinks that the ghost of his dead wife is haunting him because he's about to marry his former assistant. I think it was assistant. And so he thinks that he's being haunted by this ghost and so Eliza takes on this case and has to discover is there a ghost and she doesn't think there's a ghost but it's it's very spooky in a way and so there's a turn in the episodes of this kind of darker feel to the episode yeah it's it's definitely the spookiest one Like I was I was kind of glad that um Eliza is so matter of fact about it because it helped me like calm down and stay calm <laughs> during the episode. Yeah. So like, okay, Eliza is not freaking out. It's all good. <laughs> you can relax. There are no ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Eliza very much doesn't believe in ghosts and the supernatural, which is also strange because she is talks to her 
father in a, mm-hmm. I don't know if she thinks he's a ghost. I don't think she thinks he's a ghost. We've talked about this, but the sort of ghostly apparition or, mm-hmm. but she very much doesn't think that the, the photographer is being haunted by a ghost. Yeah. yeah. But she has to figure out who is doing this quote unquote haunting and how it's being done. Yeah. Now, what I really like about this episode is also that it um, covers a subject that was really defining for Victorian times because they were like obsessed with death and they really had this obsession with death photography that they would mm-hmm. take pictures, family pictures with deceased people. And I really like that Rachel took these things from Victorian times and put them in episodes. So you had this link. Mm-hmm. To to the actual times where Miss um, Collard and the Duke is set, yeah. yeah. And memento mori is is a Latin phrase, and it's it means remember that you have to die. I'm like that's a bit morbid. It's quite a morbid title. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I'm not quite sure how I link it to the rest of the episode, but um, like how that would affect Eliza, because normally we've got something with the case, something with like I don't quite know how I link that back to her, other than her her ghostly apparitions with her father so Um, I think that that one is really about the case yeah it's quite obvious and our Amanda has written a really good article about death photography (laughs) yes so if you want to learn more about it you should visit our website scarleteers.wordpress.com and read about it there's a lot of creepy memento mori photos out there on the internet and you know <laughs> there's also a lot of fake memento mori photos which is strange that there's some <laughs> fake ones out there but you know you figure it out anyway yeah i couldn't figure out how it would link back to eliza the um episode title but you know, I think with this episode, Eliza really hits her stride in doing cases on her own. She doesn't really need William in this one. The William kind of injects himself into this one because there's a journalist who keeps following him because the journalist wants ju- a juicy story about a gory murder because, like um, Isabel said, death was an obsession to Victorian people and so they wanted to read about death and gruesome things so the journalist wanted this juicy murder to do a story on and William couldn't find anything in his case files so when the journalist found out about Eliza's ghost haunting you know William needed to interject himself into the case and so while Eliza was doing just fine, William had to help, you know, and, but I think Eliza's not really needing William's help with this one, but William says, oh, let me help you. And, but in the end, I think with the journalist, the journalist did write up about Eliza and not William. And so I think that's where we really see Eliza blooming in the role as a private investigator and William kind of instigated that in a way I think he he kind of he obviously goes and sees his superior um Sterling and realizes this guy's a bit of a 
not very nice person and <laughs> he's been played and and obviously encourages the journalist to write about Eliza which is kind of it's a really it's a, it's a really sweet moment I think it's one of my favorites at the end of episode four that that moment where he's kind of like he does he does kind of apologize in his own sort of way that he's yeah been a bit of an, he's been a bit of a an idiot I feel like he gets a little bit of a hard time to be fair because <laughs> he's only doing exactly what Eliza's done in the previous cases and and he gets a bit of a hard time for it but he he redeems himself he apologizes so I'm, I'll give him credit there yes we'll give William credit <laughs> <laughs> a little bit a little bit just a little bit a smidge yeah a smidge okay um episode five is called so 99 and I don't think I'm out of bounds saying that this is the favorite episode of nearly everybody yeah. watches the show. I think I think a lot of people it's it's definitely one of one of the top. Yeah. And I think um, it's also one of the episodes where a lot of people who weren't quite sure what to make of this new series and didn't really know do I like it or not. And then when they came to sell 99, they were like, okay, now I'm sold. Like, yeah, this was definitely like a turning point in the series. Yeah. And it is the only episode that takes place on a different set or a different mm-hmm. scene, different background. Than yeah, all the majority of, of it takes yeah. place in the prison cell, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So. And it's just has a different feel. Eliza or William starts with getting dressed for a policeman's ball or some such. He's got a meeting. He, got yeah. a meeting with or Sterling's basically told him he's got to go to the Brownlee Club. Yeah. But then he with all his superiors. Then he hears from Ivy that Eliza is missing and he chooses to try to find Eliza over going to meet with his superiors mm-hmm. a little bit begrudgingly yeah he yeah. needs yeah. a little bit of encouragement from, from ghostly henry <laughs> yeah. a little bit of encouragement from ghostly henry but you know he gets there in the end yeah <laughs> and so william saves her i would I, say and then eliza saves him they I save think, each I other they save each other yeah there's yeah, probably a bit of a 50 she, and, she gets herself out of that cell. Yeah. We've we got to give Eliza some credit there. She does yes. persist and get herself out of that, out that cell. Um, they save each other. And I would say their relationship grows in respect because of the way they have each other's backs. You know, I because... think William has to eat a little bit of humble pie. Bless him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he does he does let's be fair you know she's basically telling him her dad's on to something and he's like no no you're wrong you're wrong okay maybe you're right yeah. <laughs> yeah and they are faced with several very dangerous situations and they don't back down they're faced with several men several times you know mm-hmm. yeah and they have to fight their way out and neither one of them runs away and saves themselves you know and leaves the other yeah. to their doom 
<laughs> well, I mean, Eliza could run away, like William said, run, and or you know, William could just say, Eliza, you've messed up big time. You can get yourself out of it. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. it does show they they deep down they have a lot of respect for each other, and they will have each other's back when push comes to shove. They can fight as much as they like, but they'll have each other's back when they need to. Yeah. And I think that's the first time you really see it. They discover um counterfeit money and a counter counterfeiter in a cell. Yep, in cell ninety-nine. Cell ninety-nine. And they realize that this is what Henry was working on when he died. And they're realizing that Henry was doing more than just drinking to oblivion he was really on a case up until the end i think it redeems henry a bit up until this moment we all thought he just was a drunkard not doing anything and we see no henry was really on a case and it's still it's still sort of left a little bit open to interpretation with henry which is nice i think you know how much was he actually working a case and how much did he kind of overhear and in his drunken stupor his mind's putting it all together Um, yeah or was he actually involved he had money problems Mm. as eliza had to kind of clear his debts but you know it's open to interpretation which is lovely and kind of why we like this show Yeah. yeah but talking about episode titles i think this is one of those that clearly refer to the case Mm-hmm. I mean, cell 99 is where that, I mean, refers to the prison and the person in prison in cell 99. So I don't know, or I don't see that there is like a double meaning there, maybe not. No. No. <laughs> yeah. And other than the fact that Eliza gets herself trapped in cell 98, I think it was. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> there's nothing that you know, can be related to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe just the first three episodes. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, so the last episode was called The Case of Henry Scarlet. And this is all about who killed Henry. Mm-hmm. So we find out that Henry didn't really die from drinking too much a drunken stupor that he didn't have a heart attack yeah he didn't have a heart attack that he was poisoned he was forced to drink poison by this really creepy masked man (laughs) he seems quite he actually seems quite fully complimentous actually when we see him at the beginning of episode six which is quite surprising of course this um um, the whole scene with him being forced to drink the poison that's very Sherlock Holmes mm. I mean that's straight from Sherlock Holmes basically yeah um, which is great because I mean Sherlock Holmes is the greatest detective of that time I mean not that he actually lived but <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, literary yes detectives of the time and um of course our Eliza is also the greatest female detective of that time so it's only fitting that we have all these knots to Sherlock Holmes and 
cases. And of course, there's also the study in Scarlet, which is the first Sherlock Holmes um, story. Mm -hmm. Scarlet. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's also a nod to to Sherlock Holmes. With the episode Case of Henry Scarlet, a lot, or William mostly, William has to figure out where these counterfeit bills have come from, who is the ringleader of the counterfeiting, but everything that could go wrong goes wrong in the episode, I would say. Yep. Um, Eliza is forced to stay at home for her own protection. Which, of um, course, she ignores. Yeah, she ignores. Of course. Because um, she, <laughs> she's Eliza. I mean, why would you? She was the one that discovered or helped William discover the ring. Mm -hmm. He clearly needs her help, at least in her mind. Um, she enlists Rupert and Moses's help to pass messages and to sneak out. Moses gets set up to take the fall for the counterfeit bills. But she has to prove that Moses is innocent. And that's one of the big things we talked about in the Moses episode. That she, without a doubt, thinks Moses is innocent. Not for a moment does she think that Moses was part of the counterfeiting ring. They easily discover that there's somebody inside Scotland Yard. That is part of this counterfeiting ring. They pinpoint Superintendent Sterling as probable head of the ring. Yet Sterling comes up dead. And well then. Conveniently. Conveniently. <laughs> so well then was he the ring and somebody back, you know, stabbed him in the back or was he not part of the ring or. So, like I said, everything that could go wrong does go wrong. Not until the very end does um, Tilly Hildegard come in and accidentally help save the day by saying that she saw a policeman skulk up Eliza's steps. Not and, the handsome one. Yeah, yeah not the <laughs> handsome one. Um, and Eliza figures out it's, spoiler alert, um, Frank Jenkins. And so Frank has confronted, there we go. That's what they're right. Frank has confronted William with the whole, I did it. You all are dumb. Why couldn't you have just kept Scarlet out of this, all, all this mess? I don't remember why he said he had to kill Henry. Do you guys remember? Why did why does um Frank kill yeah. Henry? Yeah. Uh, Other than the fact Henry was finding out. I suppose it's not really made clear why, yeah. because all Henry's got written down in the book is cell ninety-nine. So we don't know how much Henry really knew, but and obviously he he couldn't have known necessarily because why hide his why why would Frank hide his face in when he poisons Henry? Presumably just in case he doesn't die. Um 
or maybe the intention wasn't necessarily to kill Henry but to um you know poison him continuously Hmm. who knows um but yeah I think we don't know how much Henry knew but we perhaps he just he obviously must have stumbled on Nathaniel Kane being in cell 99 because Nathaniel Kane knew who Henry was and said that Eliza had a kind face like he did so he obviously knew enough to get himself in trouble what he knew who knows okay I'm glad we didn't know for sure mm-hmm. why Frank killed Henry because I was talking, I was like, I don't remember why Henry was killed. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. I just thought it was my bad memory. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's not. <laughs> Good. Presumably um, he knew something, uh, but we don't we don't know how much henry knew because we don't even know it could be that henry was actually involved maybe yeah for, for debts it's it's all kind of a bit open to speculation as to how henry knew what was going on could be could be eliza gets over to williams and interrupts frank. He's, frank. he's in frank's we think but well, i assume yeah, he's frank. in frank's because william takes frank back to i assume his uh, yes, that, and realizes that all um, the missus has, ta- has taken all of Frank's stuff. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even have any blankets, poor guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he pulls out the coat and the mask. Yes, mm-hmm. they're at yeah. Frank's. And then Eliza gets over to Frank's. And Which we don't then... necessarily know how Eliza knew to yeah. where Frank lived. I- I've kind of theorized on this one as to how Eliza knew in the she probably went to Scotland Yard to find uh, William. Death Sergeant Alfred said, oh, he's gone to the tavern. She runs off to the tavern. They go, oh, no, you've just missed them. William's <laughs> taken Frank home. She's like, where does he live? And then obviously sends a message to Moses to meet her at Frank's. Yeah. So, um, yes, be. just to, you know, fill in some blanks there. Because there were a few of Scarleteers <laughs> asking, how, how does Eliza know it's Frank? And how does she know <laughs> That's where That's a he good is? question, yeah. I never thought about months. that. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I think dear. that's some that's something that Rachel really, really likes doing. Mm-hmm. Um like leaving blanks and leave us to fill them in. Yeah. Like a lot yeah. of uh scholars were also wondering where did uh Eliza get the money from to pay Mrs. Parker in, in the second episode. Um so that wasn't really made super clear. We just oh, had to I'm, assume that that Moses ha- or that she had more clients that Moses went to and then collected the money and then she had the money. I do wonder because uh, there is a scene where Eliza is going through Miss uh, the Tabitha Butler's green bag, and there is money in that green bag. And whether we are supposed to wonder, did she take the money? Because she does mm-hmm. hand Mrs. Parker a, a, a kind of a wad of cash with a. a uh, tied in a piece of string hmm. would Eliza I think she steal would, but... money yeah. mm. I don't think she would but maybe that's the assumption we're supposed to think oh. yeah. go back and watch Catch. it <laughs> yeah one day <laughs> well would yeah, so... she have um, money from solving that case even though she could have negotiated with Tabitha Butler yeah. a, a fee that would cover the amount that Mrs. Parker um, 
needed and we we don't really know how much mrs parker needed mm, how difficult yeah. would it would be if it was you know 10 or 20 or 30 pounds then maybe that's something Kaliza could come up with if it was say 100 pounds that might be a bit more difficult yep. I don't know because yeah. we don't know how Good much question. mrs parker wants Hmm. Okay. Um, so that's season one, um, series one, I guess, depending on where you live. Um, we're going to move on to season two. So if you're especially um, anti-spoilers, we're going to talk about season two. The episode list just came out. We are going to just do our guesses, our um Ponderings. We're going to just speculate. Speculate. Yeah, there you go. That's the word. We're just going to speculate on what could these episodes be about. We're probably totally wrong, but if you don't want to hear what the episodes are going to be, switch off now. Thank you for listening to the first half of the episode. Um, we will see you in 2022. For the next episode, and we're going to give you time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we we are also going to mention um, things that are known. For example, cast members that have already appeared on IMDb and um, behind yeah. the scenes photos we had from Rachel and other cast and crew members, members of Team Scarlet. So. Um, this but it's, is nothing it's going that to... we've been told. Like no, it's in pure we speculation. Don't have, we don't have state secrets, so don't worry. This is all just our snooping and you know our detecting. Putting on our Eliza Scarlet hat and thinking, hmm, what should what what can we mm. find out? Yes, there we go. Okay. All right. Okay, we're going to move on to season two. The list just came out a couple days ago. Um, these are strictly our guesses. These are not related to anything um, Rachel knew or PBS or anybody has written. This is strictly us thinking. And could and be totally guessing. wrong. Yes, we are probably totally wrong. So mm -hmm. you guys can put down your bets. But how wrong we are, <laughs> we won't be upset if you guys go, haha, you guys are so wrong uh, when the show comes up. Um, we will laugh at our wrongness, um, but we're yes. just going to take a guess at mm -hmm. what might happen with the titles. Yep, um, just have a bit of fun with it. Yes. So, um, season two, episode one, title is Pandora's Box. What do you ladies think that this is going to be about? So Pandora's box. So uh, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> is, um, I've, had a, I've had a little search. So Pandora's box is an artifact from Greek mythology. And the idea behind it is that um, uh, a wife was asked to look after a container left in her husband's care and her curiosity led her to releasing a physical and emotional curses upon mankind. So if you go by that kind of description, you know, has, has a wife lost some sort of precious artifact of their husband? Could be. 
there is also apparently a watercolour called Pandora's Box. And that is actually dated from 1881 by Lawrence, mm-hmm. Lawrence Alma. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Tradama. So T-A-D-E-M-A. So knowing Rachel's love of, of looking for topics that actually happened around that sort of time, it's entirely possible it could be related to a painting. Yeah. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah, that's that's good catch. Um, because I'm such a freak, I actually read the story of Pedora at her uh-huh. box when I was a teenager. <laughs> so <laughs> weird, I know. Um, so yeah, Pedora is this wife um, who's asked to look after this artifact, and then she gets curious. She opens it, and out come all the bad things: death, sickness and other unspecified evils. And then she's really quick to uh, close the lid because she doesn't want um, other things to come out. But what she does is that only one thing is left in the box, uh, which is hope. And she closes the lid before hope can go out. So um, the term Pandora's box is often used as, um, or to represent something that is uh, really valuable or seems really valuable but contains like bad things which is in reality a curse kind of like the trojan horse if you think about it so something that looks really great and shiny on the outside but then if you take it in it becomes something evil and bad for you and modern um, translations maybe would be like um, opening a can of worms. Mm-hmm. So you you open something and out comes something really horrible. And I think that's like speaking in terms of the series, it's really a good uh, opener for the second season because I think it might also refer to story arcs that are set in motion in the first episode and then will continue over the other episodes. That's my interpretation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I like it. I like both of your ideas. I mean, it could be anything. I like the idea of like a wife losing something very important of a husband's and Eliza has to find it. Like it's a case that the husband has to, or the wife has to find you know, the husband's thing. It could be something related to the painting that Eliza has to, I don't know, find the painting, protect the painting. I don't know the story. If there's anything related to the painting, um, the history of the painting. It could be, yeah, something that horribly goes wrong with a character and it's starting in story arc throughout the whole season i mean it could be all of the above um yeah but it is a good opening title for a season because it really holds all sorts of possibilities which yep. i think is what pandora's box you know really is about you know it, it holds all sorts of possibilities and yep. probably not good ones it, you know you always think of pandora's box as a negative thing and so we shall see 
you know. So I think yeah. maybe it's it's a combination, like it's maybe it's an actual box, like a jewelry box or something that goes mm-hmm. missing and um Eliza has to find it or whatever. And but maybe it also is like metaphorically, like something happens, maybe something that at first sight looks like it's something great and some something amazing and then turns sour over the course of um the following episodes yeah because um on imdb there's um two actors that are mr and mrs wentworth so that could be the husband and wife characters you know i'm i'm not sure we'll see yep so yep but it'll be interesting i bet Okay, um, episode two is the Black Witch Moth. Really excited about this one. Yeah, so, I feel like you should talk about it. <laughs> yeah, Lindsay, you it talk about creepy. it. It feels creepy. Me? It does okay. feel creepy. Yeah, well, you have a lot to talk about. <laughs> uh, well, I obviously, the moth is, um, we, we reckon it's probably got something maybe to do with a bit of natural history. The actual moth itself is huge. Uh, According to, again, Wikipedia, female black witch moths can attract a wingspan of 24 centimetres. Wow. If I saw one of them coming towards me, I'd be running (laughs) the other way, if I'm honest. I I reckon perhaps maybe this is something to do with Moses. Maybe. I think this may be a bit bit more of his his story. Hopefully we get a little bit more of his background or uh, in my term of Moses a, a backstory that we don't know whether to believe is actually true because yeah. I like the idea of him telling a story and then telling a completely different one and leaving us going who are you uh, yeah I find that quite amusing but there was a uh, behind the scenes picture of a uh, natural history exhibition mentioned uh, so perhaps uh, the black witch moth is something to do with with that. Maybe yeah. it's been stolen. Maybe it's gone missing. Um, according to some cultures, it's um, supposed to represent. Where did I read it? Where was it? Here we go. Uh, a black witch, witch mythology is associated with death. Has a happier note though, in that if a loved one has just died, the moth is the embodiment of the person's soul returning to say goodbye. Which sounds quite positive, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, depends. Uh, depends how you want to take it. Yeah, and that moth is not native to the United Kingdom. No, it's not. Um, it's it's actually native to um, the Americas and the Caribbean. So that again could refer to Moses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We always love Moses. And maybe. Maybe I'm just um, imagining it, <laughs> but um, whole Caribbean, Jamaica, Creole culture, there's a lot of like witchcraft and believing into the supernatural. So that just like when I first read the title Black Witch Moth, I didn't know that there was actually a moth called Black Witch Moth. But mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, black witch, it's it's that kind of black magic, magic witchcraft yeah. thing going on. So um yeah, 
I don't know. Be a, like a double meaning kind of thing, like yeah. some of the episodes last season. Yeah, and maybe there's like a voodoo vibe to it. Yeah. I can actually hear Rachel and you laughing her ass off right now. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be nothing of the kind. Nothing of the nothing kind. Completely wrong. Nothing. <laughs> Well, I'm looking at IMDb and Moses is listed third in the cast. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Just we're <laughs> just reading into things way too much. But you never know. You never know. You never know. So, we can always hope for more Moses. I mean, we've had a few very nice behind the scenes pictures, let's be honest. Yes. yes. So we, we know really he exists. Yes. Yeah. Maybe this is where he's going to be boxing. Yeah, maybe. maybe. And we did, um, Rachel did say that um, in the second season, we would get a bit more of background of the other characters. So maybe mm-hmm. this is the, the most episode. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Let's hope for more Moses in episode two. Okay, um, episode three is called Popper's Grave. So Popper's Grave is like you're poor, you have no money, and you've died, they're going to bury you in just a generic grave with other poor people. And no headstone. No no headstone, no marker. This could be all sorts of things. It could be... A background story for William and maybe his parents or his family. It could be a background story for who knows what, or it could be just a case for Eliza. Who knows? It doesn't. It doesn't give us much to go on. No, <laughs> so, it really um, doesn't. It really doesn't. Um, I, I think I have to agree that possibly this may be a bit more about William we do know that Ivy's supposed to have a bit more of a storyline somewhere so maybe this could be the start of her storyline yeah it doesn't doesn't give us much but um maybe Eliza's looking for a missing person who turns out to be in an unmarked grave yeah so again because I'm such a freak (laughs) (laughs) I read a book, I think as a teenager as well, called The Prince and the Pauper by mm-hmm. Mark Twain. Yeah. And it was uh, originally published in 1881. Again, exactly Eliza's time. And uh, in 1882 in the United States before it was published in Canada only. And it's about um, the prince refers to Edward VI of England, who was... Um, Henry VIII's um, only son. And they had this thing that you couldn't punish uh, a royal. You couldn't punish the prince. Like you couldn't, if he did something wrong, you couldn't give him a slap or anything because he was the prince and future king. Um, So they took in another kid to punish him instead, like a poor kid. And then um, if I remember the story correctly, it's a few years ago that I read it. Um, <laughs> they swapped places. So um, the pauper stayed in the palace and then the prince went on an adventure. But I might be completely wrong. <laughs> so 
so when I read um, the title, A Pauper's Grave, that made me immediately think of that novel. And probably also no connection, but um, I think it might be um, like an episode that's um, centric on William and his backstory. Maybe that there is a case with um, poor boy, um, moneyless boy, who dies and is put into this grave and then something happens or whatever. And um, William remembers his own past and it like this case maybe triggers some memories that he has of his own past. And that's how we learn more about his, his past and his history. I think we know from um, this interview with Stuart Martin that um William grew up in a workhouse, so in in really poor circumstances as well. So mm-hmm. that's that's my yeah. take. Yeah, I think it's probably something along that. Whether it's William or Ivy, or a case that Eliza has to do, but I think it has to do with some sort of poor relation that you know maybe it's a case Eliza has or Eliza and William has that triggers a memory through William or Ivy. Yeah. And we'll get some sort of backstory for somebody. And I think, I think it it will refer to a case. Like I said, um, all the season one episodes always refer to a case, but there might Mm -hmm. be a connection to one of our characters. Yeah. Be it William or Ivy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, the next episode is Angel of Inferno. That sounds super exciting. It does. It looks like fire. <laughs> I have. <laughs> have you I read can't... a book on this one? No, no, no. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> but <laughs> because we, we assume that we will have uh, more background to all our other characters. I was going like, okay, so episode two, maybe Moses. Episode three, maybe William. So who's left? <laughs> and I just could, yeah, I just could remember, I, like, think of Ivy. And then I had this image of Ivy as the angel of Inferno in my head. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to have Ivy really going mad off at Eliza. And since then, I, I just, I can't stop laughing at the image. Well, IMDb doesn't have any extra um, cast. I mean, it just has the regulars up there. So I can't tell you. I I have a really wild theory. I like your wild theory. It's based on fanfic. So this is probably totally, totally wrong. Um, But I, I believe they did do some filming at the National Theatre in Belgrade and uh, one of the Trina who joined us on the podcast a few podcasts ago recently put uh, put up a story about uh, a ballerina whose uh, dress catches fire and uh, the poor ballerina goes up in flames Um, and and when I when I read that title my instant thought was oh I wonder if if maybe you know and because an angel um, or though a ballet dancer perhaps is is not necessarily referred to as a as a an angel, but they do tend to wear beautiful white dresses, and yeah. you know the the 
that was kind of my instant thought of oh well you know they did do some filming there and you know perhaps perhaps they they putting it out there perhaps William and Eliza go out to the theatre and the the lead dancer catches on fire and they have to investigate I like that theory mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going Who knows? With it. <laughs> it's a good story to be fair Trina did well with that one I loved it yep it's a great idea. Yeah. I still like Ivy as yeah. the Angel of Inferno. It's just too <laughs> funny. Of course, the other option would be Mrs. Parker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it could infer to Eliza's cooking skills. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> she is known to burn things, so yeah. maybe she'll she'll be cooking something and she'll get the catch the kitchen on fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, there's not a whole lot to go on about the Angel of Inferno. Obviously, somebody catches on fire is about the only thing I got. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the Angel of Inferno refers to the apocalypse. Ooh. I think. I'm not sure. Um, and um, yeah, that would be a good setup for the series finale if we have like oh this is heading towards the apocalypse like something really really bad happens mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well if we're going with the theory of pandora's box starting in like a character story arc the fourth episode is where you want to be turning it towards the um penultimate you know mm-hmm. and then the last so Finale. It could be a setup for the. So it could be. I mean, the end of episode four in season one does kind of kick the ball rolling for episodes five and six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's when she finds Henry's casebook. Yeah. So maybe. So yeah. Mm. And we know that they tend to all sort of be connected. You just won't notice it until you get to the end and go back mm. and rewatch it half a dozen times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one does that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Just for um, research. Of yeah, course. it's research. <laughs> it's for research. Yeah. The fifth episode is quarter to midnight. The only thing I think of is with the new Sherlock Holmes with Benedict Cumberbatch where he has to solve all these mysteries by a certain time. That's what I immediately thought that William and Eliza have to solve these cases by midnight, you know, or a quarter to midnight, or that's when they solve them, that they have this time constraint for something, that something happens at midnight. Like Mm. it's a setup. I like that idea, actually. That's a very good one. Mm. Yeah. My first thoughts was just of Cinderella. (laughs) 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 Clearly, I spent too much time with my child. (laughs) I was like, who's going to lose a shoe? (laughs) Well, it could be something like that. (laughs) I would... Naturally, I would I would think that Rupert is going to lose a shoe, but (laughs) we know that's not actually happening, so... Mm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I would quite like maybe 
obviously Eliza and having Ivy help her a bit that maybe they could kind of work not necessarily work a case together but have something to do together so maybe kind of put Ivy in there somewhere but no I I, I do actually quite like your your theory of, of a time constraint and having to solve solve these riddles for, for what in in a in a time constraint actually yeah so my thought was just um about the term where you say oh it's it's five to twelve like again you know something bad is going to happen and um you're like okay we are really close to it so it's five to twelve and that kind of works with the whole pandora's box with Mm -hmm. there's something that's going to happen because we've opened Pandora's box and yeah yeah but I think a lot of the scholars actually went and thought about Cinderella and like oh you have to be home by midnight um or the coach be is a turning yeah yeah. Pumpkin mm-hmm. again. <laughs> yeah yeah um, coach turns into the pumpkin Yes, because a lot of uh, the scholars are hoping for a big ball and seeing Eliza in big, beautiful gown, and of course William in a suit mm. and out of a suit, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we want a replay of season one, episode five. Yeah, and it's the again getting episode into five. A so there you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> He gets into a tux and we want to get see him getting out of the tux. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, maybe, like we said, this is totally our mm-hmm. guessing and we are probably guessing extremely wrong. Yep. You know, if any of these are somewhat right, we're all going to go out and buy a lotto ticket because <laughs> we're obviously very psychic and we have no background knowledge nobody has Mm -mm. whispered secrets in our ears so these are just lucky guesses if they are right Mm -hmm. it's going to be so much fun watching the episodes and then going like oh god we didn't see that it's gonna be cringy (laughs) (laughs) i'll just just quietly delete this episode (laughs) it'll be no trace of these (laughs) So if okay. this episode goes missing, then yeah. you know what? Uh, yeah. I don't remember. We must have skipped it. That is bad mm. luck to do an episode <laughs> seven. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, the last episode is called Proposal. Ooh. It crickets. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about this. I mean, I would be very, very surprised if the proposal had anything to do with what it sounds like. I think that, yes. that Rachel is having a bit of fun here and definitely teasing us with this sort of title. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are many, many, many different kind of proposals, and I'm sure everybody has their own idea of what sort of proposal it could be, whether it's a business-related one whether it's related to a case um you know somebody maybe maybe somebody wants to propose and someone's got to you know Eliza and William maybe has to help out somewhere along the line maybe it's got absolutely nothing to do with anything yeah 
it's a yeah. it's definitely they set set the uh, the scarlet ears alive <laughs> with that title <laughs> yeah um a lot of people were very excited to see um this episode title mm-hmm. i don't think it has anything to do with William proposing to Eliza marriage. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. It's just too early, guys. I'm sorry. It's too early. Um, even I mean, you never season... know. They did get married quite quickly in those days. You don't oh, know. Yeah. Even if season two time jumped. You know, like five years. I don't know, five years then maybe. If there was a massive time <sighs> jump five years, but um yeah, uh, I I would be surprised. I wouldn't dislike it, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't dislike it, but I would be surprised. I think Rachel's gonna tease us out a little bit more. Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't I think, think so it's too. coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Protect guys, protect yeah. our little shipper hearts here. Yes. Yeah, it's the... not gonna come out yet. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. So if you're super anti-spoiler and you're still sticking around, <laughs> um, the <Leave> character <laughs> Joseph, your ears. Joseph Sims is coming back. He was in episode one, season one. He was Clara Sims, or Clara Sims, sorry, an American. Clara Sims husband he was the one that put her into the asylum to get her inheritance and eliza like knocked him out so he could be arrested he has come back he is officially in the imdb cast so what do Um, you think he's going to be here for i mean could it be that he's come back to strike a little bit of revenge? Maybe he's a bit annoyed. Maybe he's still in jail and he's got somebody working on the outside for him to, you know, do do, yeah. do his dirty work. So my my thoughts were that either he is still in jail and Eliza has to work a case, which is about a con artist because that's what he was in um, season one because he pretended to be Clara's uncle and then he turned out to be um, the husband and then uh, we also found out that he was uh, married twice which meant that his marriage with Clara was null and void so um, either um, Eliza is working a case that is similar and she needs an expert in that field <laughs> of mm-hmm. artistry um, and then she remembers Joseph Sims goes to him and proposes to him not marriage but <laughs> um, like we can work together you help me with this case and I help you to get out of jail that would mm-hmm. be one scenario I could think of I or like he's or he's actually already out of jail and working as a con artist again. And then um, like a marriage swindler uh, promising rich widows, maybe marriage and then tricking them out of money and so on. And then that's how 
Eliza comes across him again and um, has to stop him again. And he could be set up as like a kind of supervillain. I mean, every mm -hmm. hero needs like that foe kind of type. Sherlock Holmes has Moriarty and um, they always headbutt in several novels and short stories. So um, I think that's what Eliza needs is like a super villain that comes in every or not in every episode, but comes up again and again and again. And uh, she has to fight him or her <laughs> again and again. And um, I think maybe uh, Joseph Sim could be that guy because Aiden McArdle, I think is his mm -hmm. name. Yeah, um, yes. he's he's a very really established actor and really good one. And I was actually surprised that they got him for season one for such a small role. And I was like, mm, yeah, I was surprised underused. too. So um, yeah, maybe they they're setting him up to be a bit more than what yeah. met our eyes in season one. I mean, if if Eliza was going to have a supervillain, I think I'd prefer it to be Frank. I'd yeah. like him to to kind of escape prison, and then he, he's Eliza and William have got something against him. I think that could have been quite fun. Mm -hmm. That could, could also be because I quite like Danny. I find him quite amusing. Yeah, uh, he's so, such a sweetheart. <laughs> he is, and and uh, he definitely made a few fans. I think uh, did yeah. Danny say? It would yeah. be lovely to see him back as Frank if, if there was any way possible for Frank to escape hanging for everything that he did, if he could have escaped prison. Maybe a season three or season four mm. will be a yeah. big Frank episode. But yeah, I like um, your first theory, Isabel, mm -hmm. about Joseph Sims is still in prison and she has to go to him and propose like a partnership to get this guy or this con artist or whatever she needs to for the case. Mm -hmm. I really like that idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that would be, I think maybe she had to get him out of jail. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe that's how she's going to work with him. And yep. uh, yeah, maybe he could double cross him. Mm. Yeah. He's a con artist after all. Yeah. yeah he yeah. escapes or something. Mm. Interesting. Again, I hear Rachel laughing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is all our guessing, and we have no ideas. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. hope you've enjoyed listening to our yeah. theories. If I you have any you of guys, your own, let us know. Yeah, we'd love I hope to hear you guys them. Have giggled yourself silly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, do you guys have any other thoughts about? Potential season two. I mean, no? I'd love to see an Ivy romance with anybody. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Potts is, Mr. is still Potts, top of my please. list, but you know, <laughs> yeah, just I, I, I think I feel like Ivy deserves a little bit of romance somewhere along the line. Not saying she's going to leave Eliza, but I think that might be quite nice. Um, definitely would like to see Ivy kind of out of the house maybe working a bit of a case and maybe ivy could go with eliza to the national history exhibit maybe yeah um, yeah and definitely uh, th there's been some lovely behind the scenes images of moses which definitely could mm -hmm. come up 
and there's there has been a couple of really lovely behind the scenes pictures of, of both William and Eliza one of them having a nice little stroll one of them where they're in his office and they look quite relaxed and then the one that that was posted very lo- lovingly by Stuart yesterday which has definitely uh the Scarleteers have, have well and truly enjoyed that photo of, of William and Eliza there so yeah I'm excited yeah <laughs> I'm really excited <laughs> yeah they, in case you hadn't noticed they really are coming out with more behind the scenes and little mm-hmm. snippets that we can snuggle up yeah. with until we get our season two which yeah you don't have a date with but it looks Hopefully like it's coming soon. coming along you know it will soon be 2022 yeah which is scary but yeah <laughs> um we still think we're back in 2020, right, Isabel? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You've completely um, written off 2021, haven't you? <laughs> I've, still, I've written off both years. Um, also looking forward to all the new characters. I mean, we're going yeah. to have, we, we already know a couple of names and a couple mm-hmm. of actors um, that will come into season two. For example, Laura Rollins, who is going to play a recurring role, at least like she filmed a couple of episodes, according to IMDb again. And um, Evan McCabe is also in a couple of episodes. Ian Peary, I'm probably missing a few names here. But yeah, I'm really excited to see who they are. Um, what they mean to the story, what they bring to the story, and what what their story is also. So, I mean, Miss Scarlet and the Duke, of course, is mainly about Miss Scarlet and the Duke, but it's also about all the other fascinating characters that we get. Like, I don't think I would love this show so much if it was just about our two leads, but I really like that it has all these other minor characters that are so rich and three-dimensional like ivy and moses and mm-hmm. rupert i mean eliza's I my leading that. lady here eliza is my leading lady yes. and i cannot wait to see what she's going to get up to because there's definitely going to be some moments where you're just going to go oh eliza what are you doing and <laughs> for god's gonna sake be... eliza <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I hope for, for Eliza this season, I hope that two things. One, we get to see her smile because mm-hmm. I think in season one, she's so focused on her improving herself that she forgets to enjoy herself a little bit sometimes. So I really want to see her enjoying herself, solving these cases because it's something that she clearly loves. And um, I, I'd like to see her solve some cases not by luck, I think season one, there was a lot of, it was more luck than judgment. I'd like to see in season one that she's, uh, season two, she's progressed and that she's actually now solving cases with a little bit less luck and a little bit more. She knows what she's doing. She's proved herself that she can do it. And, you know, she's, she's away and flying. What about you, Amanda? Uh, What you guys said. Um, Um. You both said it really well. I just, like you guys, I just want to see more background with the minor characters, Ivy, Moses. Um, I want to see William's background character. 
but just, you know, I'm just really excited to see one of my favorite shows continue to blossom and to get better. And, you know, these characters just grow. They were such, you know, new babies in season one that I just want them to continue to grow better and stronger in season two. And just to see the show get better and to enjoy the ride from season one, season two, and any other seasons they give us, you know, hopefully many more. It's just really exciting to think about what, like this episode, like guessing what all these titles mean and what could the episode be about. And then watching the episode and go, oh, we were right. Or, oh, we were so wrong. And just (laughs) being so fascinated about Scarleteers in general, about what a fantastic group they are and just the smallest details they find and they just make the stories that much richer that these these fan members are just so in love with this show you know it makes it so wonderful to be such a part of this group and with the show and I'm just excited that there's a season two to keep going with and I'm excited I'm excited that's all I can say that I'm excited (laughs) I hold no hopes and wishes because anything for season two is gonna be great because season one is great so and I trust Rachel and I trust Steve Hughes and I trust Patty and I trust the cast and them all so yeah well said well said a (laughs) boss so yeah if anybody who's listening hasn't joined our Facebook group we're under Scarlet Tears um come join us we have a website scarletears.wordpress.org we've got a lot of fun stuff on there um, we've talked about a few things. Amanda, it's dot com. Dot com. Why did I say dot org? Scarletears.wordpress.com. Yeah, we've got a lot of stuff for you guys, and you guys are great. So, yes, and we are on Twitter and Instagram. So, follow us for any updates. Yep. Um, and the podcast has its own Facebook page as well. So, give us a like and a follow there, please. Yes. <laughs> Um, and with the upcoming year, we've got a bunch of stuff planned. Um, we're working on getting some guests. Um, we've got other characters to talk about. We've got other items to talk about with the show. We want you guys to tell us what you want to hear about. So give us your, any, any ideas that you want to hear us talk about um no season two issues yet because it's not come out yet this episode is about us guessing season two as we're gonna get um so no season two until it comes out um but give us any ideas that you want us to hear or 
you want us to talk about but yeah hopefully hopefully we'll be able to talk about season two soon yeah hopefully but yeah yeah Yeah. in the not too distant future once it's out we will definitely also talk about the episodes but before that we have some other things Mm -hmm. that we want to talk about so (laughs) yeah so um keep sticking in there we got a lot Mm -hmm. planned for 2022 we appreciate you guys Mm -hmm. and merry christmas to everybody yeah by the time this gets out it will be it will be coming up to christmas do you have your christmas trees yet (laughs) no not yet almost we're decorating inside so no christmas tree up yet but happy holidays merry christmas happy new year i don't know if we'll have another one out before new year's but whatever happy new year's anyway even if we have another one out before new year's and thank you for listening yes thank you we appreciate you all (laughs) all right Bye. bye bye Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Scarlet Tears podcast. Music by Kevin McLeod. Incomatech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribute 4.0. License HTTP colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0 forward slash.